Well, hello and welcome to the Christian Contrast Podcast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. Um, And for this episode, it's just me, um, Dan, and so I'm going to be talking as we approach Easter about the resurrection. And obviously, this is a big focus during this time. If you've grown up in and around churches, you know that this is where all the churches talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Even if you haven't grown up around church, you you sort of know that's what we celebrate on this holiday. And I think that it can become something where we sort of, we grasp that this is a big deal and, and we understand that it's worth talking about and we know that it's important to our faith. But sometimes we can sort of miss what, what is really going on here? Why is it that this is such a big deal? Um, we talk about hope and we talk about the future and we talk about victory, but we don't always feel totally clear on how this plays in to our lives today and why this is something that's so worth celebrating. So what I want to talk about in this episode is just four implications, four biblical implications of the resurrection. Not things that I've thought about because I've looked at it and just come up with, but four things that scripture tells us happen because of the resurrection. I'll go through each one of them. Number one, first implication of the resurrection is that the resurrection means that Jesus is the victorious Lord. First and foremost, the resurrection tells us not something about ourselves and not even something about the world, but something about Jesus. Um, Romans chapter one and verses three and four, just starting off this letter, the apostle Paul talks about the gospel and he says the gospel regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord that there's a sense of what happened at the resurrection was a vindication of Jesus, that it announced his lordship and that it was his victory. Um, Similar to this, if you think back into the gospels, Jesus foretold his resurrection. Mark chapter eight, verse 31, it says, "He uh, he then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days, rise again. Um, And then similarly, after his resurrection, Luke 24, 46 says, he told them, this is what, what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Um, And here's the significance of all of this. Jesus rose just as he said. During his earthly life, he said, I will be put to death and I will rise from the dead. So his resurrection is not only a a surprise vindication, it's actually a vindication of everything that he said, that he had the foreknowledge to understand that this was going to happen. And in Luke 24, he talks about the idea that this was what had to happen. This, This was the necessary path of him as the Messiah. When we think about what we're celebrating at Easter, when we think about the resurrection of Jesus, before moving on, and we're gonna talk about implications and and how they impact us, before moving on to that, we need to recognize that first and foremost, the resurrection says something about Jesus. And that's really what you pick up on when you read the gospels. You don't quite get on to the idea of what does this mean for our eternal life and what does this mean for our salvation and what does this mean for our victory? It just starts by saying, this means something about Jesus. And the resurrection, because of that, is proclaimed as the disciples go out in the, in the book of Acts. When you see what they're talking about, and even the idea that Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, the, the thing that they're witnesses of is primarily that he rose from the dead, and that's what they keep announcing. This is just a reminder for us. You know, our faith is not in a concept. Our faith is in a person. 
like the Apostle Paul saying from prison, I know whom I have believed. When we're walking through life, primarily what we're saying is not, I believe in the ideas of Christianity or I believe in the content of the Bible, but I believe in Jesus, raised from the dead, vindicated the final Lord. And it also means that when we're talking to others about our faith, we're not primarily inviting them into even a church or a religion, we're pointing them towards Jesus. And that's why the resurrection is such a central part of what we believe and what we proclaim. So implication number one, the resurrection means that Jesus is the victorious Lord. Implication number two, the resurrection means that believers are justified before God. In other words, that we have peace with God, that we have a right relationship with God. Paul says this in Romans chapter 4, verse 25. It says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That the victory of Jesus over death solidified that we would be justified before God, that we would have peace with God, that our sins wouldn't be counted against us, which is something else that, that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, when he's doing this thought experiment of what would be different if Jesus wasn't raised. And he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. In other words, he's saying without the resurrection, no forgiveness of sins, we still have to pay the price for all of the sins that we've committed. But with the resurrection, our sins are taken away. Um, similar to this, Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 33 and 34. Well, well, really, verse 34. It asks the question, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. We get Jesus dying for our sins. We get Jesus justifying us through the resurrection. We're no longer in our sins. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And not only this, think about this. If you're thinking biblically, the sign that we have from God, the gift that we have from God that announces to us that we belong to him is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, listen to something that Jesus said in the Gospel of John. This is chapter 7, verse 38. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then here's what John says by way of commentary in the next verse. He says, by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And the glorification of Jesus is his resurrection and ascension. It's his victorious lordship. So we're told we get the Holy Spirit because he was raised. And we know that the Holy Spirit fell upon all of the disciples at Pentecost after Jesus was raised and ascended. When we think of the resurrection, we not only start with Jesus and say it means that he's victorious, but we also get to look at ourselves and say, this is our security that we're forgiven. In other words, think about it this way. Um, because Jesus was victorious, that means that Jesus gets what he wants. And what Jesus wants is for all of us to be forgiven of our sins through his sacrifice. But he doesn't get that without being victorious. 
Um, j- just think about this. That think if there was somebody that that knew a whole group of orphans and wanted to support these orphans, and so this guy says, "All right, here's the deal. I, the, there's this poker tournament, and the payout is ten million dollars. Um, and if you don't like the idea of a poker tournament, in, in order to make the money, make it a race or or something else." But he says, "Here's the deal. I'm going to go and I'm going to play in this poker tournament, and when I win, I am going to shower all of the winnings on all of you, so that you can be out of your difficult situations, and so that you can go to college, and so that you can be taken care of." I'm going to shower that all on you. Now, now we all know that the thought going through our minds is, yeah, but he can't do that unless he wins. He has to go and be victorious in that tournament in order to be able to say where all those resources go. Jesus' heart for his people is that we would be showered with forgiveness and with grace and with the Holy Spirit. And the reason we get all of those gifts is because the Son of God was victorious on the cross. He died for our sins, and he was raised for our justification. So number one, the resurrection of Jesus means that he is victorious. We put our faith in him. We point others towards him. Number two, it means that believers are justified before God because Jesus is victorious, and therefore Jesus gets what Jesus wants. Um, Number three that we'll talk about, third implication of the resurrection, is that the resurrection means that believers have a victorious resurrection that we're looking forward to. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 20. This is actually one of the verses that we'll go through on Easter Sunday here at LBF Church. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And you may know that the whole idea of falling asleep, that, that's a euphemism that's used not for anybody who dies, but for believers who die. He says later on in the passage that those who belong to Christ will be with him, will have a resurrection like his. Um, in similar ways, listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. He says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will also certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And if you were to go back in Romans 6 and read the context for this, he's talking about baptism and he's talking about new belief. And so in a way, when he's talking about the resurrection, what he's talking about is that we are raised to new life. Um, Even when we get baptized, when, when we do baptism through immersion, when we dip somebody, we're communicating they have died to their old way of life, they have died to sin, and they are being raised to new to new life. And so p- part of what Paul is talking about here is the idea that we experience this newness of life, we have the Holy Spirit, we're not the old person, we're, we're a new person. That That's part of what it means for the resurrection. And we might in our heads get it, get it um, in there and say, oh, well, maybe that's all it means. Maybe it just means that we live a new life now. But that's not all of what it means because in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he says, Says, because of the resurrection of Jesus, that is the first fruits. That is the first taste of what's going to come for those who believe in him. And the whole concept of first fruits is it's the beginning of the harvest. When the first fruits come, that's the sign that an entire crop is coming. Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits. It's the sign that there's a lot more coming. We as believers in Jesus, and this is so significant, death doesn't get the final word. In fact, at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, which is the the biggest chapter in the Bible about the implications of Jesus' resurrection, he, he talks about the idea that death has lost its sting, death has lost its victory. Because most of us look at death and there's a sense of finality to it. Just that's it. Even when we look at a gravestone or the timeline of a person, you have a start date and you have an end date, and that's it. 
because of being believers in Jesus, we get to look at our own lives and we also get to look at the lives of those who have died in the faith, those in the, in the euphemism that Paul uses here are currently sleeping, and we know that their story is not done. We know that final resurrection is coming for them. And I know our church in many ways over the past probably month, month and a half, it just seems like we have been hit with just a, a tsunami of grief. Um, different people dying, different family members dying, different griefs that we've been experiencing, and even a, a number of people that I know outside of the context of this church have been having the same thing happen, just a lot of death. Um, and maybe maybe it's just my perception, maybe it just feels closer to me because there have been some people that I know, but it feels like we really desperately need to remember this message right now. Death has a sting to it. it death has a way that it hurts us. But the real teeth of death have been taken away by the fact that it is not the end. We get to have memorial services and have gravesides and have times of grief where we really do have grief. I mean, remember, even Jesus cried at a funeral of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew he was about to go raise him from the dead. Grief is real and grief is appropriate. Grief isn't something that Christians shrug off because we miss our loved ones, even if we know that they're with the Lord now. But we grieve with hope. The sting is taken out of death. And that means that we also get to live in the hope of understanding that life doesn't end for us. That this, is, this may be a little bit of a pet peeve. It's possible that I'm out of proportion on this, but I despise talk of bucket lists. Um, I do. I, I just think that as believers in Jesus, we need to eradic eradicate this phrase and eradicate this concept. Um, it, it's fine to have a, a list of things that you're saying, here's a bunch of things that I want to do or that we want to do as a family before our kids move out or that I, I want to do before I get too old that, that I'm not capable of doing those things. That's totally fine. I, I hate the bucket list idea because it has this idea of I've got to squeeze in everything that I can before it's too late. And also, even the whole concept of a bucket list, it, it really is a first world problem. And how many people in the world would dream of being able to do just one thing that's on our bucket list, but they're trying to just get through the day and just get clean water and just not have their infants die young. So it's, it, it lacks perspective. But, but here's the biggest thing. If there is something on your bucket list that you're like, I didn't get to this, or I'm not sure I'm going to get to this, um, I just want to remind you, there's a new earth that we're looking forward to. There is going to be an eternity of us getting to experience not only the best of what this earth has to offer, but this is a fallen earth, the best of what a renewed earth has to offer. So we not only get to have hope at the death of loved ones, we also get to be free from the tyranny of saying, I got to squeeze everything in before I die. Death is not the period at the end of the sentence of the believer. And we get to have confidence of that because of the resurrection and victory of Jesus. So implication number one is that it shows that Jesus is victorious, that he rose from the dead. Implication number two, we are justified, we're forgiven, we're free, we're no longer in our sins because Jesus gets what Jesus wants because of his victory. Number three, we have the hope of our final resurrection. And finally, number four, the resurrection means that Christian suffering has meaning to it, that it's not fruitless and it's not random. Um, once again, 1 Corinthians 15, which I, I just encourage you, go and read through the entire chapter. It, it is all about the resurrection. It's great Easter reading. Um, Paul says this in verse 19. He says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. 
He says, the Christian life, living the Christian life, is not something that people should admire us for if it turns out that death is the end of the story. And that might be jarring to some of us. This, again, I think is a first world thing where we're like, well, why not? I mean, you get married and you're faithful in marriage and you raise a family and you look to be honest with your business and make enough money. You know, we, we can think about it that way. What Paul is implying is that we have made sacrifices that have been foolish and pointless if there's not a reward at the end of this, if there's not a final resurrection. You know, later on in the same chapter in verses 29 through 32, fair warning, these verses are a little bit weird, but I think they're worth reading. Paul goes deeper into this. He says, now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? Now, quick pause on this. We could look at this and say, what in the world is going on? What is baptisms for the dead? There's there's different theories on this. There's different ideas. Um, What probably is going on here, I think the most likely scenario that's going on here is that people were getting baptized. The baptism for the dead is, is a talk of people getting baptized in response to martyrs that they're seeing Christians being put to death and in response, they're coming to faith and putting their faith and being baptized, which is at, at this point, to talk about being baptized was basically to talk about becoming a believer because that was your public profession of faith. Some people think this was actually a bad practice that people were baptizing dead people in the hope that they would end up being living at one point. And either way, Paul is pointing towards the idea, the same idea talked about in verse 19, that if, if there's no resurrection, then our suffering is pointless because he goes on and says this. He says, and as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus, which isn't literal, it's talking about enemies that he faced and riots that he faced, with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? And then he says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. In other words, he's saying if there's no final resurrection, what really would be the best thing for us to do is to try to squeeze in every amount of leisure and pleasure into our lives right now, because when they're over, it's all over. But Paul doesn't believe it's all over at that point. He's continuing to suffer. He's continuing to be in prison. He's continuing to have stones thrown at him. He's continuing to be alienated from his countrymen and his family. He's continuing to suffer to spread the gospel. Paul believes that there is a reward, that there's a resurrection at the end of this, to the point that if he says, if there isn't, then I've been played as a fool. And this is always worthwhile, especially in the United States where we have cushy lives, for us as Christians to ask ourselves, Am I living my life in a way that if there's no final resurrection, people will look at my life and say, he was a fool. She was a fool. Look, taken as a fool, living that way with no reward at the end of it. Are you living that way? Paul says, if there's no resurrection, why am I suffering? But what he's implying there is because of the resurrection, my suffering is meaningful. My suffering is God shaping me into who I'm meant to be. My, my suffering is bearing fruit for other people to see Jesus through me. My, my suffering is, is turning me into the man that God intends for me to be, and that's going to continue on long after my death. My life is going to be a symbol, and my sacrifices are going to be a symbol that Jesus is worth it. All of these different things play into it, but they only come to fruition if the resurrection is true. And thank God the resurrection is true. So just take this in. As we're getting ready to celebrate Easter, it's not just sort of a a Christian holiday where, yeah, we talk vaguely about hope and vaguely about 
victory and vaguely about Jesus, but where we say, you know what? Because of the resurrection, Jesus is victorious. He is Lord. We listen to him. We point others towards him. Our faith is in him. And because of the resurrection, we have the confidence that our sins are taken care of because Jesus' victory means that Jesus gets what Jesus wants. And thank God he wants our forgiveness. And also because of the resurrection, we have the hope that death is not the end. And so we celebrate that and we grieve with hope. And then finally, because of the resurrection, we know that our suffering isn't meaningless. So instead of chickening out or instead of taking it easy, we willingly lean into walking the narrow road and walking with Jesus so that he can bring fruit in our lives and show off his worthwhileness to the world through the ways that we live in light of his resurrection. And whether you're watching or listening to this before Easter or after Easter, I hope that this builds you up. I hope that this encourages you. Um, feel free with all of the podcast episodes that we record, um, feel free to give comments or feedback or questions. We love interaction on these sorts of things. We do episodes of The Christian Contrast every two weeks, and so two weeks we'll be back with a new episode, and I'm really excited about some of the upcoming episodes that we're gonna have and some of the guests that we're gonna get to have on here. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to listen. God bless you this Easter, and God bless you as you look to walk with Jesus in a way that sets you apart from the world around you.